Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most American podcast network. What's packin' everybody? Welcome to the Cynical Cartoons Podcast, where today I watch Josie and the Pussycats in Outer Space with Mel Stone. Mel uses she, her pronouns, and she makes music, which you can find on Spotify, so go check that out. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at StopTweetingMia. Thank you for listening to the Cynical Cartoons Podcast for another week. And as always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm here if you need to talk. Man, I'm excited to talk about Josie and the Pussycats in Outer Space. Um, This is a cartoon that aired in 1973, maybe. I saw it and I didn't write it down. So let's let's make that guess. That sounds about right. A few notable things about Josie and the Pussycats. The series premiered in the Hanna-Barbera era of just like, hey, let's rip ourselves off. Um, (laughs) Scooby-Doo was so popular. Let's just like have a bunch of teens and maybe they're in a band and they have like a cat or something. It's like early, like procedurally generated AI. They're just like spitting out like show concepts that are just identical groups of teens. I mean, half of this cast is like Space Shaggy and Budget yeah. Fred. Um, and I love it. it. It absolutely feels like that. I was so surprised to see that Casey Kasem, the voice of Shaggy, was the only one that crossed over here. I was like, half this cast yeah. is absolutely like there's Fred, there's Daphne, right? None of them. One notable thing about Josie and the Pussycats, though, was that it featured Valerie as the first regularly appearing black cartoon character on Saturday morning. So really cool. Yeah, that's something. And Valerie's a great character. I love her in the movie. Yeah, Valerie's amazing. Played by Rosario Dawson. Um, in this show, she's like literally like the team leader, but nobody really acknowledges it. Oh, yeah. She's she's the only competent person on the entire crew. And she's being constantly undermined by Alexandra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alexander and um, Josie, too. It's kind of like, why is Josie the leader of this team? She doesn't really seem all that interesting in the episodes that we watched, at least. Yeah, she's somehow the most boring character next to, again, like a knockoff Fred from uh, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. I guess that she's all the only thing that she really has to her character is she's the name of the band. And she sings, but they all sing. They all play instruments. So, like, what's up? I had originally thought that before they went to space, the the original series would have been pretty grounded. But like I looked up episodes of the Josie and the Pussycats cartoon and they're always like going up against people that are trying to turn them into chickens or steal all the gold in the world. <laughs> um, so that sounds like that's a future episode of the podcast separate from what we're doing here today. <laughs> Absolutely. Like it, the, these plots were just unequivocally pulpy trash. Yeah. Um, but the show's kind of amazing uh like for for what it is considering that none of these characters are going to show up again except for the core cast and these episodes are like 18 minutes long they pack a lot of plot into like really dense uh time periods it's just like scene 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 introducing new characters like there's a whole new species like you're learning so much about like the like intergovernmental like the, the way that these different groups interact with each other it's it's intense i love it yeah, a lot of the show is like space politics and it's it's kind of incredible how like every episode follows such a familiar format where like they're all in the spaceship together. Somebody usually like um what's her name? Not Valerie, not Josie, the other one. Uh Melody? Yeah, Melanie, that's right. Usually fuck something up and like they go crash landing onto the planet. Valerie saves them. 
and then they meet all the crazy aliens there. But like the show has such a way of like, they're trapped by aliens, they're in trouble, they're afraid for their lives, and yet they like spend five minutes formulating a plan and then the plan is like, maybe we should just run away when they turn their backs, you know? (laughs) Like it has such like a 1960s Star Trek pacing and dialogue to it where you're like, these characters are such soulless husks. I love it. Absolutely. And in, and in both cases, in both in both episodes that I watched, uh, they got captured twice. Yeah. And their plan both times in each episode was to play the same song. That's right. That's right. You put on a concert and it saves the day every time. And usually you do it two or three times an episode. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and then and the second time, each time they didn't have their instruments so they had to improvise with whatever they had around. And they were amazingly like perfect. Like the first one, uh, they found like beakers and like little glass scientific instruments. <laughs> yeah. And those were perfect instruments. And then and probably my favorite scene out of both episodes, uh, they're inside of a mountain and they have to improvise instruments. And so they're like, we'll use this drum shaped rock as a drum. <laughs> yeah. And we'll use these vines as strings. And we'll use these two perfectly shaped rocks that look exactly like guitars we'll use those as guitars right and then just play the song completely perfectly uh right and it's it's incredible how they're able to like simulate like a snare drum and a ride cymbal using (laughs) rocks and you're like wait are the drumsticks rock yeah the drumsticks are rocks too like they're just really good at playing music i guess like extremely good like these songs like rip these songs (laughs) are amazing uh, love song of the universe. Uh, the song off of the the make way for the multi men with the cat people and the and menton. Right. That song is like legitimately great. Like that. I I hear like I feel like that's a song I'd hear at a fish concert. Um, and I would just be grooving the entire time. Well, I mean that's always been a staple of the Josie and the Pussycats. Like their whole deal is that you're like, oh, okay, it's a dumb cartoon show, or oh, okay, it's a a dumb dumb movie for like ten year old girls, and then you watch the movie and you're like oh, why does this fucking rock? Like, why is this so hardcore? I don't know if you've seen the 2001 film, but... Um, no, I was I was just going to say, I was not allowed to watch that because my parents were afraid it would turn me gay. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> it's pretty hardcore anti-consumerism, like anti-capitalism if you watch it. It's absolutely worth watching in the modern era. Oh, hell yeah. Um, and all the songs are total bops, so... Yeah, it is hysterical how like every single time that they're in a situation, they're like, oh, my God, this guy thinks that we're robots. Maybe we should play a song to teach him that we're not. (laughs) And then it cuts over to like a completely disconnected like Josie and the Pussycats not wearing their spacesuits, instead wearing their their cat leotards and ears and and tails and everything on like a black background playing the song. (laughs) And then it cuts back and they're wearing their spacesuits again. And the guy's like, I guess you're not robots. okay?" And you're like, what? Okay, so you just couldn't bother to animate a space version of them playing their instruments. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I and like gosh, some of these like was the on the the sleeping planet the um the Arcovians like their animation was so bad like it was so clearly just like churned out um very stilted their mouths barely moved um but it's just like that peak Hanna Barbera trash. Yeah, it's it's really great because like the thing about this era of Hanna Barbera animation is you can watch any of the shows and whether or not they have a talking shark friend or like a little alien friend that screams and has seemingly infinite powers, you're like, oh, this is so familiar because it is just the same thing I've seen 500 other times, you know? <laughs> if you've seen one Scooby-Doo, you've seen them all. Exactly. Like the, the, the plots are by the number, like the, the writers are just like pulling stuff out. of Like the gang at some point gets trapped three different times and bleep uh, we didn't even do it. i don't think we've talked about bleep no like, we haven't this talked weird about blue meanie yet. knockoff right like he looks like a tiny blue meanie um that just says bleep 
uh, at one point, the gang gets cornered and he pulls out a superpower that could create like invisible sound wave walls. Yeah. Like that we've never seen before, never discussed. And then they get trapped in a thing and they're like, oh, we'll just shoot bleep up there. And then he's able to stretch his body down like abnormally and pull everyone up. Yeah. Uh, so it's a second superpower. And then again, when they're trapped by the Canyonians, the laser like, eyes. eye lasers out. Yeah. And it's just like, where did all these powers come from? It's amazing. I mean, it's, they're just like, oh, we need to, how are we going to get out of this? We'll just give the fucking alien a power that can fix this. And like, let's move on. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. And they don't even seem like concerned about like the existential nature of all of this. Like we're, we're carrying around this little all powered, like <laughs> dog essentially that is our yeah. friend, I guess. But like, we're trying to go back to earth. What are they going to do? Like let him go when they're on the nearest planet or are they going to take him back to earth? That motherfucker's going to get dissected. Like bleep is going to die no matter what. I mean, to be fair, they they are going back to a continuity where there are talking sharks walking around. So, That's true. I, I yeah. mean, I have to I have to assume they all exist in the same universe. That's true. I mean, the the entire concept of the show is so insane, right? Because we see in the theme song, which wasn't even in the first episode that I sent you. I don't know if you've seen the theme yeah. song yet. Oh, uh, oh, I have. Okay. <laughs> like the yeah, the economy of storytelling in that is amazing. Yeah, where they're like, we don't even need a pilot episode to explain how they all got into space. Basically, it's all just in the theme song. They were at like a photo shoot at a working spaceship that was ready to launch. Alexandra accidentally pushes them all in and then knocks a button that shoots them off into space and nobody comes to save them. Yep, no one, nobody can save them. No one can stop it. They're just off into space. And they get so far off that they can't find their way back. Yeah. Sure, great. And, yeah, and it's like, okay, so they can figure out how to pilot the spaceship, how to land perfectly every time in this, like, giant... It, it's essentially a vibrator. Like, that's the immediate thing that you realize when you watch the show. It, it's a giant... It's the USS Magic Wand. It is, it's a vibrator. <laughs> yeah. There's no two ways about it. Sent off into space, and they're just trying to find their way back to Earth. It, they make all of these friends along the way, and they never once seemingly ask, like the cat aliens or the planet of Amazonians like hey can you like help us direct our way back to earth they just kind of like every time people are like can we do anything for you and they're like no we're just we'll figure it out bye (laughs) so that's good this show replete with laugh track by the way that's very important to address not even organic laughter like they didn't like animate them bring it to a studio they were like no can it everybody needs to know when to laugh whenever Melody says something so that's important (laughs) I really don't listen to a lot of stuff with laugh tracks, so it was kind of a jarring mode to get into. And yeah, it, it was. It's very clear that this. I'm. I'm sure this was not even the highest priority show uh, that they were working on at the time, and just farmed out whatever they could. I'm. Sh- I'm sure Hanna Barbera was just in a mode at this point, just churning it out. Right, and and the concept of like laugh tracks in animation in general is just so confounding. Like. You don't think about it, but it was in a lot of the cartoons that we watched growing up. Scooby-Doo had it. The Flintstones had it. Maybe the Jetsons. Jetsons. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, probably. I think it's, yeah, I think think it's that that whole Hanna-Barbera. They found a formula that works and they would just make a small change to the formula and see if it still worked. Small change to the formula, see if it still worked. And the laugh track's working. No need to cut it. So the first episode that we watched, basically, they crash land on an alien planet, as always, um, this one led by cat people who are fighting a single robot who they created who escaped question mark. I was not oh, completely they created clear Menton? on what happened. I don't know. I have no fucking clue. Oh, okay. They don't explain it very well. Yeah. So the way, the way I got it was that Menton enslaved some cat people to build the giant glass city. They kidnapped Queen Felina to 
try to get the cat people to bow to his will. He wants to take over the entire planet. And that includes enslaving all of the cat people. And so they kidnapped the queen as like leverage. And it's not really clear. But then they also get sent off in these uh, Criston trills. These fucking like laser missile ships that come out of nowhere um, to fly into this glass city. Like pneumo tubes, basically. Like they're just like zipping around. I mean, the the entire plan is so strange because like they they fall down to this planet. All the cat people assume that they're like Menton's minions, robots, which doesn't make any sense because like Menton talks like a robot and looks like a robot <laughs> and is clearly a robot and doesn't seem to have any human looking minions at all. The whole the whole premise of Menton is that he has a device where he can create a bunch of duplicates of himself. That's right. So like. Any minions of Menton would just be clones of the same dude. They would literally look, talk, and act exactly like this one dude. Right. And then the flaw in the logic comes when the cat people are like, okay, well, he stole our queen, so why don't we send you guys? You can pretend to be his minions, and then he won't even notice that you're there, even though you're human and he's a robot. And then get the queen and come back here. And then for some reason, they just, like, think it's going to work. And, like, they're... I mean, they're being sent off on a death mission, like a suicide mission by these cat people. But when they get back, like, they're all just chill with each other. Like, they're not like, oh, you risked our lives. I don't know. It's stupid. Oh, yeah. I was, I mean, they, they, they tricked them or they, they convinced the cat people to let them go by the power of music. Yeah, as always. Um, and then and then when they're ready to go, the cat's like, oh, OK, I guess you're not people. We can just let you go. And they're like, okay, I guess we're going to go. And someone's like, oh, maybe we can help. And he's like, yeah, cool. If you want to help, I'll shoot you in these little rockets <laughs> yeah. at the glass city to your almost certain death if you want to try to free a queen. That'd be cool. It's it's true. And and the way that they decide who is on their side and who isn't, like they decide the cat people are on their side because the cat people say, well, Menton, our robot that we created that turned against us, stole our queen. Okay, fine, whatever. They get sent through these pneumotubes over to Menton. Menton is like, I actually don't want to hurt anybody. And he doesn't hurt them. Specifically said that. Yeah. I don't want to hurt you. I I just want to take over the planet. So he has like a duplication beam and he duplicates himself 50 times. Then he's like, okay, back to normal, whatever. And then Josie like starts coming on to him. And she's like (laughs) trying to seduce this robot. And he's like, I don't have sexual urges, but whatever, dude. And she's like, well, maybe you would if you duplicated me 50 times. (laughs) <laughs> and then so yeah so this this army of josies appears around him and he orders josie to go do something none of the clones listen and, and josie who was standing right there in the same spot before is like well those orders were for my clones but not for me and then she leaps forward and grabs the device from his hand the creation of all the josie clones did yeah. nothing for the plan it was no distraction no nothing she no. just stood there in front of him <laughs> grabbed the device and then threw it to budget fred well, well, that's the thing is that everybody in this show has like a 45 second reaction time. Like she throws it to Fred, whatever his name was, Fred yeah. Jr., whatever. And Fred like trips and drops it. And then immediately five seconds later has it back. And it's like, what was the point of like you dropping the beam? The robot is like toddling towards it. Like the robot's not going to run faster than you. You just have to like run away pretty much. They're running away with yeah. the device. And then it's just a classic chase scene running through tubes, running through doorways on top of shit. Um, they get cornered. Um, and this is, they they have another like army of these robots advancing at them. And the way that they respond is they find a tube, roll the tube at the robots, and these robots shatter. <laughs> I mean, this is a, theoretically a glass tube because everything's glass around here. They These robots disintegrate 
um, into parts. I'm like, well, that should hold them for a while. And I'm like, you you just murdered these robots. There's there's no coming back from the devastation <laughs> that just happened to them. Well, and also I, it's like, I, is I, that I, really all it took to just to push them over with a with a piece of glass <laughs> and they would? Yeah. I mean, I assumed, that, I assumed that they were duplicated, and even if the robot had a soul, yeah. the duplicates wouldn't have a soul. But yeah, like, they're very <laughs> violent people, and they fucking destroy his home. Like, they get the cat queen that they're looking for, and they're like, all right, let's put on another concert and see what happens. And he malfunctions, and then his fucking home, his glass home, just shatters to the ground. And they're like, yay, we did it. And leave. My city, my beautiful city. Yeah. <laughs> It's so just truly ludicrous. I love the entire thing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, and then and then just to erase any plot point that might come from having to carry over a duplication machine. Oh, that's right. Into the next episode. Yeah. Fred's like, "Oh, I accidentally hit the button and it bounces off of Alexandra's compact mirror and then bounces back and hits the device perfectly and he's like, "Oops, I guess I hit the destroy button." Yeah. Oh well. Which don't ever have to worry about that again. Which is so irresponsible by the way, budget Fred, because he meant to duplicate <laughs> alexandra question mark but instead uh, does the completely demolish button so if he had gone you know six inches to the right she would have just been fucking dead and i guess that's what he was going for uh, so i guess um like space shaggy is alexandra's brother yeah that's right alexander um, and alexandria or something like that oh alexander okay yeah. uh it, was, it sounded like he wanted her dead he was like, "Oh, it's too bad you didn't miss her." And I'm like, she, "Like she would have died. Like you would have. You're 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 ungrateful that your friend didn't murder your sister um, well, while you're lost in space." Yeah, they they have a contentious relationship. I would say that everybody's <laughs> in the right to not like Alexandra very much because she did throw them into space because she was trying to steal Josie's boyfriend. Like she wanted the spotlight. She's constantly hitting on Budget Fred, Alan M. She's not nice or interesting or talented or helpful. She constantly fucks them up. I mean, I get it. Totally. What's I'm trying to remember. Uh, Doctor Smith. She's the Doctor Smith uh, from Lost in Space. That's right. Just like this, like weird, almost villain anti-hero who just fucks things up for everyone else. Yeah, and I'm sure that like if the show had any kind of emotional depth at all, like if this was a show from the early 2000s, she would have had an episode where she like cried because nobody likes her and because she can't help being mean and everybody would have gotten a better understanding of her and then the next episode she would have pretty much been doing the same thing anyway it doesn't really matter oh <laughs> uh, but i mean it's i think it's a little much to ask for any type of character arcs in, in an individual episode let alone like a 16 episode series that's right yeah <laughs> so we watched a couple episodes um the second one that we watched is it's kind of incredible how like you notice the pattern so immediately because it starts almost exactly the same way like the recycled animation the same sets and everything i just thought that i was watching the same episode again it's the exact same thing like they're in the ship again and then they like accidentally hit a knob or whatever and they all go crash landing down to the planet and you're like all right guys okay yeah (laughs) we see it um and then they get uh kidnapped by someone and then they 
find themselves in a new spot. I mean, it's like it's such a it's such a perfect plot device. It's like everyone loses consciousness or gets kidnapped and don't know where they are. Right. And the group wakes up in a new place um, and suddenly have to deal with the fact that they are awake in a new place. Yeah, and it's good because you don't have to like draw a lot of new backgrounds for them to go to a new area. You just draw the one background and then a new background of them all sitting. You don't even have to draw them sitting down. Like they're sitting exactly. and then in the next shot they're standing again. So it's great. <laughs> um they don't by the way just fall asleep. They are they're drugged with sleeping gas and that's pass true. out. As we find out later, specifically drugged. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they never, like, do any kind of a sweep of the environment or, like, check where they're going before they leave. They're just, like, kind of like, okay, we're on a new planet. Let's open up the hatch. And, oh, there's people trying to kill us. Cool. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's, let's assume that the environment is survivable and not be concerned about the previously established purple smoke that is surrounding uh, the spaceship. Not not a whole lot happens in this episode. Um, it's basically a very similar premise of like, okay, so there's this one society, the first people that we meet, that we assume are the good guys, and then we meet another society that are assumedly the bad guys, and then I don't even know. They're all like fighting for power. What what were the the more like savage ones trying to steal? So okay, so it was uh the Robotron, uh, which was the scientific research space bank, essentially all of the knowledge of the arc i can't believe i know i remember this so uh are you reading the wikipedia article right now <laughs> I, I i took notes <laughs> i was just like quick notes i was like i was like robotron uh space bank um so this this is the thing that contains all of their scientific research and knowledge and the prime minister says if anyone stole this they could use that information to take over the galaxy which first of all if you're the prime minister of this civilization and you're in control of the Robotron, like presumably you have access to everything in there, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> the the Canyonians, as we find out their names later, uh, stole the Robotron at the behest of the Prime Minister so that the Prime Minister could take that information and then rule the galaxy. But the Canyonians are like, actually, now that we have this magic computer that could tell us everything, we actually want to use it to take over the galaxy. And the Prime Minister's like, you, you're going to regret this. And they're just like, whatever, dude, we have the galaxy weapon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and it, it kind of seems like everybody in the society that they're going to that has the galaxy destroying, ruling weapon, whatever it is are themselves just like dumb as shit because basically oh, like absolutely Josie and the gang are blamed for the whole thing by the prime minister who wants to get away with it and then they go up to where the device was like somehow they're able to be let in there they just like sneak in whatever and they just see the most obvious purple footprints like leading out <laughs> the hugest footprints that lead them all the way to the next encampment like so obvious that Melody is the one who discovers them right and she's just so dumb <laughs> yeah like the canonical bimbo of the group uh, yeah. is the one who discovers these massive footprints that lead directly into the lair. Like it, it is not even they're not even they didn't even try to hide their tracks. It's just massive purple footprints leading out to a giant mountain. Yeah. And it's incredible. It's like if you were to use a sleeping gas on your entire society, you were the ruler of the society. You're going to use a sleeping gas that somehow is like so. I don't even know the word, but it just like sticks to your hands and feet so much that anybody would know that you did it. Like it sticks to their feet. They leave footprints everywhere. Later on, when they're trying to catch the prime minister, they just like look at his hands. He's got the sleeping gas on there. Like wash your hands, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> We're in the middle of a quarantine. Wash your hands. <laughs> wash your hands. 20 seconds. 
So yeah, they put on a stupid concert with rock instruments and that was really great. That was a fun time. That was worth it. That one scene, I mean, this was all worth it because the show is incredible. Um, I, I, I truly love this show. But that one scene in particular was just immaculate. Like, thank you for putting in those two rock-shaped guitars standing next to each other <laughs> that were then made into perfect guitars for that song. And it's so funny how, like, every time that they sit down to play, like, music, it sounds like it's, like, recorded in a studio because clearly it was. Like, the fact that they went to an entire, like, alien planet and made instruments out of rocks and other rocks and vines that they found, like, doesn't change the sound at all. It just sounds like a normal no. Earth rock guitar. There is definitely organ in both songs and no one's playing an organ. Like, that's how good they are <laughs> at, at, their instru- at, at their craft. Right, yeah. I yeah. mean... <laughs> Do you think it's canned? Like, do you think they have it all recorded? And they're like, uh, yeah, we'll uh, make instruments. And they just pipe it in from like a the ship stereo every time. That That is actually the most plausible explanation I've heard. Uh. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. I don't know. I, I wish yeah. that the, the Josie and the Pussycats movie could have gotten a sequel so that it could have been that in Josie space. and the Pussycats in outer space. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I watched another episode where they went to like an Amazon warrior planet, a planet run by women. And um, yeah, knock off Fred and Shaggy are real pissed about that. They just don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like they have a conversation with somebody after they get thrown in man jail. And it's like another dude who's like, oh, I got six years for double parking. And you're like, "Okay, whatever. Weird adult (laughs) jokes that kids wouldn't understand for no reason. Okay. And this guy's like explaining to them like, yeah, the the women are the dominant like sex on this planet. And the guys are like, what? Like women rule. What are you talking about? That's insane. And it's like, okay, great. This is the 1970s. This is good stuff. Right. (laughs) The girls are brainwashed through rings put on their fingers. Okay. But the rings don't seem all that permanent because like at one point, Melody just like takes one off to wash her hands and then she the brainwashing is done. And she puts it back on because she thinks it's pretty or whatever. Then she takes it off and put it, puts it on like six times. So <laughs> so that was good. All the girls just like acclimated to their newfound privilege so quickly. And were just stoked about ruling over the guys and becoming warriors. And um, I get it. It's, it's sick. Oh, yeah. It's pretty cool stuff. <laughs> that was that whole episode. Oh, Nothing God. really happens in that at all. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I feel like with both of those episodes, we could have done a summary just as short because like the plot has like so many little factual things like sprinkled right. in uh, to give the illusion of depth. Um, but it's it's so paper thin. Um, That's true. Once you've gone over the basic concept of the show and the formula, you got nothing else going on. That episode does end with an unbelievably great moment, though. Where they basically, they leave the planet, they've charted their way home, they're like, all we have to do is stay the course and not let anybody turn this wheel. And then Alexander is like, hey, why don't you let me steer for a little bit? And they're like, uh, okay. (laughs) And like, it's so like broadcasted what they're about to do. And he just like takes the wheel and everybody's like, hey, good job, Alexander. You're steering the ship real good. And he's like, oh, cool. And he like puts his hands up in the air and then it just completely gets knocked off course and they're adrift again forever. (laughs) (laughs) so great show totally yeah logical they're still trapped in space uh to this day oh my god 40 40 some odd years and they're just floating out there yep just going through crazy adventures they've written so many songs it's just archives just the ship's computers are just filled with demos of of garbage (laughs) um that someday we'll get to hear yeah, it's all just like bubblegum pop with like maybe a couple of innuendos, but probably not even that. Like, 
No. They're just songs about going to the beach and having fun with your friends, which is great. (laughs) Mel, thank you so much for joining me this week. Oh my God. Thanks for having me on. Do you have anything else to say about just seeing the Pussycats in outer space? Because I don't. So the the, the only thing I would say is to reiterate like how good these two songs... I mean, the theme song is a theme song. It's like a pretty like... It's a, it's a decent theme song. Uh, it's very informative. But like the yeah. two songs in the show, Love Song of the Universe and Did You Have a Day, are like legitimately great songs. And I would recommend people watch these episodes like or even just look up the songs um, because they're they're that good and like fucking groovy. I thought that maybe we could try out a new segment on this episode that maybe I'm not going to do again. Um, this is called Astronaut or Astronaut. Okay. Where I tell you a, a, a fictional character or maybe a real person and you have to say yes or no. Have they been to space? Have they been to space? All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that can include anything. That can include animation. That can include real life. Like Tony Hawk has like legitimately been to space. Um, so this will be fun. Oh, I'm like, excited about this. Wait, Tony Hawk done that like low earth orbit like floating thing? Is yeah. That yeah, that's right. Space? And he was okay, like, yeah. look, watch me do like a 720. And he, and he did it real good because it was zero <laughs> gravity. So. Right. Okay. Well, it's actually it's good to know that we've established that low earth like falling on a plane counts so that's good to know yeah there's there's no technicalities here i'm not like uh james bond actually i don't think i think james bond probably has been to space so yeah let's play homer simpson oh yeah yeah classic iconic episode of course homer simpson has been to space. oh yeah rambo oh you know probably not in the movies but i bet there's a rambo in space cartoon episode yeah there absolutely is he he did go to space (laughs) in the animated series awesome (laughs) the flintstones Oh, I bet. I bet there's an episode where like the Flintstones got teleported into the future to hang out with the Jetsons and then the Jetsons took them into space. That that must have happened at some point, right? They absolutely did go to the future and hang out with the Jetsons. To my knowledge, they have not been to space, though. Oh, yeah. all right. And Good so th- this will be where where the hard part of the segment comes in, because somebody will absolutely hit me up on Twitter and be like, um, actually, you know what? The Terminator has been to space. <laughs> Well, I mean, the stakes are so high right now. It's you, you really can't mess this up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> let's see. Yogi Bear. Uh, that feels like a trick question. I'm, I'm going to say yes, only because it feels like he wouldn't have gone to space. Right. Yeah. Yogi Bear has been to space and he shouldn't have gone to space. Oh, yeah. Who knows why? No. Um, I mean, I, I can't say that anyone so far should have gone to space, <laughs> just to be completely clear. <laughs> Big Bird. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure Big Bird's been to space. To the best of my knowledge, Big Bird has never been to space. Um, oh, no. He was originally intended to be on the Challenger mission <laughs> and was not. <laughs> so that's good. Big Bird um, okay. made it out. <sighs> I haven't been keeping a tally of your score. <laughs> um, how about the Harlem Globetrotters? Uh, I'm going to say yes, but only because when looking at the massive list of Hanna-Barbera cartoons, there was a Harlem Globetrotters uh, cartoon, and I'm assuming they then shot them into space yeah. in at least one episode. Yeah, they absolutely All did right. that. H- Hanna-Barbera, I would say, was 75% of the reason that any of these people <laughs> went to space. Um, <laughs> last one, Hulk Hogan. Oh, uh I feel like if Hulk Hogan the human had been to space, there would have been like a thing about it. That's true. But Hulk Hogan the cartoon character, 
I bet Hulk Hogan, the cartoon character, went to space. He absolutely did. Hulk Hogan in a oh, Hulk right. Hogan's Rock and Wrestle, and he went to space. He beat the Russians. It was a great time. It was the 80s. Yeah. God love the 80s. <laughs> yeah. So so I absolutely didn't keep a tally on your points, but I, I think you won that one for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. All I had to do was guess yes every time. It was easy enough. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> your prize is in the mail, so... Just Great, be excited about that. Yeah, you got a trip to space. Um, Mel is going to space. One way trip to space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, where can people find you on social media, listen to your music, all that good stuff? Um, so, yeah. So, uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Melstone Music. Uh, same on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Spotify under Melstone. If you go to Twitter, I have my pinned tweet has like a bunch of links that are like ready for you. Um, but I would appreciate it if you listened to me on Spotify and followed me on there. That'd be very nice. Thanks. Yeah. I recommend people listen to Mess. That's my favorite one. I really like that song a lot. Thanks. That's one of my favorites. Like Mess, I feel like is like, I want more people to listen to that song. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. It's nice. And it makes me feel good whenever I'm having like a voice dysphoria day. So that's good. Oh, thanks. And I'm on Twitter at StopTweetingMia if you guys want to check me out. Um, Thank you for listening to the Cynical Cartoons podcast for another week. As always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant. And I'm here if you need to talk. Hey gang, do you know the right words to the Josie and the Pussycats theme song? Because if you do, you just might win your very own guitar and amplifier. Room.